I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you made a New Year resolution. I'm certainly not going to ask you to raise your hand if you kept the one you made last year. The one or two of you who did, you know, that would be all bragging, I guess. But let me encourage you, though. We tend to think of this time as a time of resolutions. And then, you know, we promise that we will do better next year and that kind of stuff. And, and so some of you have said, well, you're going to ease up on the sugar. And some of you are going to say that you're going to get on the treadmill or walk around the block or do something like you haven't done every day and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Some of you bought a new Fitbit and you just vowed to use it, you know, that kind of stuff, right? But how many gave strong resolution, New Year resolution, at beginning today or maybe tomorrow morning, this is what I'm going to do different this year. I'm going to spend this much time every day in God's Word. And I'm going to put it on my calendar so that it beeps. You know, most people these days have calendars that beeps, right? If it, I used to say if it doesn't beep on me, it's not happening, right? What's that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to that meeting. Um, why don't you do that? Or pray. Make New Year's resolution for prayer and put it in your calendar to make sure it happens. Not just today, tomorrow, and the next day, but that this become a pattern of your life. And maybe even more so that you want to share your faith with someone. And don't make it... You know, one of these idealistic goals, you know you're going to break. I'm going to share my faith with someone I never met before every day you know, for 365 days. You know, do something you can do. It's not a bad thing, friends, to say, I'm going to find someone that I know is not a believer, that I have not shared my faith with, and do that at least one a month. We can do that, yes? There are about five of you. We can do that. What can be more important than those kinds of things? I'm going to read a text with us this morning from Luke chapter 2 and connect it. And, and the title of, of, uh, of this is Changing the Everyday Humdrum or the Normal Weekday Patterns, so to speak. Because there's some interesting things going on in the texts that we find that are traditionally um, assigned to these uh, days after Christmas, in between Christmas and New Year and, and the days right after the New Year. It's a very well-known text. I think most of you have heard it uh, a, numer a number of times. Chapter 2 of Luke, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arm and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory 
to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what he what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Kind of a strange word when you consider that. But let me begin another place and just simply say, it's been holidays for a while now, yes? Some of you have had things hanging and you have made your house festive for like weeks upon weeks upon weeks and you're ready to get rid of it. And we have been in this kind of a special uh, riding on a cloud of sorts, special atmosphere. It has felt different. We do that during Christmas. And we see that, and the whole thing has like a different kind of a feel to it. Lots of banquet, lots of festivity, lots of fantastic things going on in churches and in workplaces and homes, and, and family gets together, and we have special food. This has been going on for a while, and now here comes the everyday again. We're back to the normal everyday weekday, so to speak. And the message from Christmas about incarnation, about transformation, about salvation now needs to be carried into the everyday life that we live. Now, as we carry that message into our everyday lives, we know it will be confronted yet again with all kinds of other messages that said, this is how you need to do things. And suddenly, Christmas is in conflict with the everyday. That message of peace, that message that we, we just carried through that month of December. Can I say it this way? That the message of the gospel of the incarnation is not just some power verses designed for the month of December to make us feel good during that month. This is rather an introduction, a creation of a foundation that is able to carry us through all situations the whole year. In other words, we are now back to the everyday. And the message of Christmas is going to be carried into that. Now, how do I say it in a different way? The peanut bark, I mean the peppermint bark, I should say, right? And the pecan pies has now to be turned into whole grain bread and vegetables. The cozy angels that we hung on the trees or on the walls or wherever we hung these kinds of things The nativity scenes that you put on tables or mandals or window seals, all the kind of stuff that we did to remind ourselves of that message of Christmas now needs to be transformed from something we are looking at to bring us into a certain kind of mood 
and become something that you live from to give us a certain kind of strength. It is every day now again. And the question is, are we able to find the strength to change the everyday humdrum? The message of Christmas is no longer just a story to be read. And I don't want to belabor that anymore. But let me say it again. It is a reality to be lived. And I mention this because I think it is easier than anything because we are so wrapped Christmas, no pun intended, in all this veneer of niceness that we forget that it connects directly to the everyday humdrum. It is not without reason that the church year begins here. Angels sing about peace. And then when you look up in various kinds of Bible reading plans, when you look at various kinds of lectionaries, the texts that are suggested to read between the, the Christmas and the New Year and, and even into the New Year seem to be almost in direct contrast. Just look, for example, on one of them. In, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, remember, he is the one where the angel sang when he was born that peace on earth upon all, right? And then Jesus says here, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but sword. I've come to set a man up against his father and so on. And the text goes on and, and you're thinking, is that not in complete, utter contradiction between one another here? And the answer is, no, it's not. It's not at all. It's an emphasis that unless Christmas has become this kind of cutesy story that doesn't relate to anything real, but it's just a meaningless kind of warming story, unless that's what we have made it, we will see that as that message of the Christmas light hits, the other messages that fill the everyday in a real way, when that happens, we will have conflict. And it's just what happens. There's a tension. And it goes right in our own hearts. A tension fills foundation for our lives as we are confronting the everyday with the message of light from Christmas. We actually kind of know that. We spoke about it earlier in the Sundays that led up to Christmas. It's the tension that we find when we realize the creator of all things, the sustainer of the universe, suddenly was born by a poverty-stricken virgin and held in her arm. It, it's the same kind of tension we find when we hear about the one who came to visit with his own, so to speak, the creator who became man, and it says there was no room for him in the end. It's the same tension when the, one, the, the, the creator of life was born. A child of life came into this earth, and then it says about Herod that he killed all newborns under two years. There's a tension going on when the everyday meets 
the message of Christmas. And when Christmas message is carried into the everyday life. But here's the news. Here's the great news that light shines in darkness. Darkness has not disappeared, but it cannot overcome the light. Christmas did not completely change the world, but it made or gave it a brand new hope. There's a new possibility. There's a possibility and the power of the light that is now here. But the tension between light and darkness remains. And that's a fantastic message to be reminded of when we meet here on a Sunday morning. It's called the first day of the first year. Right here, 2017. The world that persecuted Jesus Christ is also the world that will persecute his followers or his disciples. The darkness remained dark, but the great message is that light has shattered it, and darkness cannot kill the light. I wrote someplace uh, on the day after Christmas, and some of you saw that, I think, that from old days, that second, first day after Christmas, it's been called St. Stephen's Day. And you can't help but to wonder what will make old church fathers call that St. Stephen's Day the first martyr right after we had the birth of Christ on the 25th. Then we have the killing of the first Christian right there on the 26th. What's going on? I think it stands for us as an eternal reminder that Christmas is not some kind of Christian winter solstice celebration of sort where we celebrate that from now on, light is going to come and it's going to be better and better and better every day. It is not that. We saw that darkness is still around. The promise is that victory and light will come, and it will come to shine throughout. But darkness is still there, and the fight and the struggle and the tension of the light in the darkness remains very real. It's a struggle that needs to be fought by real people in real lives who have met the real light. So here's the question, friend, on this New Year's morning. Are you willing to let God change the everyday humdrum of your life and let light live clearly? This is where this story about Simeon comes in. It's an amazing story, an old man, Simeon, as we know about, who was waiting for the Lord to grant to his people the salvation option, so to speak, right? That he will bring to his people this light. And after 40 days 
Mary and Joseph carried that child as it was custom of the law for him to be circumcised in the temple and to have that child blessed by those who were there. Ask for God's blessing. And Simeon sees this child and rejoices because now he knows that the salvation, the possibility of God bringing us home to him now has entered into this world. And now notice what follows. This is the most intriguing part, I think, with this. We so often just stop with verse 29. Sovereign Lord, you, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And that is a fabulous, fabulous text to preach on. But what follows after that seems somewhat different, at least to some extent. Simeon blessed the family. And then he said, look, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. For many, many's heart will be revealed. It's an interesting thing when you think about it. Simeon could rejoice because he knew that, that God's vehicle for salvation had come to earth. But this vehicle, this Jesus, will face bitter resistance, bitter rejection by many people because they flat refused to have anything to do with what God was doing in that way. And because of that, it will be laid bare, so to speak. It's very interesting to me when I read this, and if you study this, you'll see this also for yourselves, that the word that is used here uh, that we translate spoken against, the last word, if you will, in verse 34 it's the same word that is used to describe the rebellion of God's people against God in Meribah. You can see it in, in Numbers chapter, chapter 20. If you see it there and, and you recognize that they have come and, and God had, had given them water through the rock, right? And Moses hit the rock at Meribah. And they grumble or they sent charges against God if you if you want to translate it that way. The same word used here. So when Simeon is, is referring to this, he's using these images that comes up in their minds as he speaks. And then when he explains that Christ is to be a sign, a sign that is to be spoken against, a sign that is to be rejected, that many thoughts of many people will be revealed. He's pointing to another reference in Deuteronomy, a well-known place, where God explains how his people or why his people were placed and put through the desert as they came out of Egypt. I have put you here to humble you and to test you to see if your hearts are with me and if you will keep my commandments. You know, when they were back in Egypt, there were no, there were no limit 
to the kind of big words they were saying. Oh, God, if you would just set us free from this slavery, we will follow you everywhere. You are the great and mighty God. You can do anything. And so God opened the water. He sent him out. They got into the desert. And all of a sudden, it wasn't quite what they have expected. Big words about belonging to God when they were facing the restoration or the freeing from Egypt. And now, in the desert, it was revealed the true feeling and direction of their hearts. Who would follow God? And that's where Simeon connects here. When he's using that very phraseology and speaking these words, that's what comes to mind. Are you willing to let the light shine and be that message from Christmas be the one that shines in the everyday regardless of what comes? It's an amazing thing, isn't it, when we read the Bible and see what's going on with this. But see, Simeon's point, though, was ultimately about redemption and restoration. It was not just about revelation and fall and you're not good enough. It, its purpose was to speak about how to be redeemed and meet the Lord. And so he, he's using these images to simply show also that, that this revelation of, of what's going on leads to repentance. And repentance then leads to forgiveness, and forgiveness leads to redemption. This is also really what Jesus is saying in that text from Matthew that we read from real briefly, that strife and tension can come between people who really should love one another, right? As he mentioned, a man and his father, a daughter and, his, and her mother, and so on. Jesus, again, is, is not saying that the purpose is Tension and difficulty, on the, on the contrary, he's talking about creating the possibility of redemption. Because the possibility of redemption is found where the light reveals the truth and reveals the need for people to repent that can lead to redemption. I hope you hear this in the way I think Simeon also spoke about it, certainly in the way I'm trying to portray his speech right here. This is not only about us and others, it is about our own hearts right down the middle as we find this conflict between the message of light of Christmas and the other messages that are hammering our way every day and all trying to get our attention. We're back to the everyday, are we not? The normal weekday rut, so to speak. And Simeon points to how to find the light. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus came to earth to make evident the tension between these two worlds. And it forced 
some kind of decision to be made. I'm either going to be with delight and let that have victory in my life or I'm going to be just indifferent and darkness will come to rule. He who is not for me is against me, Jesus says. There is some kind of decision to be made right here. Those who seem to indicate that they want to make the right decisions but don't really want to do much with it, Jesus is saying, let the light shine. I will bring the light and I'll allow it to shine in the everyday humdrum. And some people say, well, you know, where's that fight? Where's that really going on? I see it, it, it's in the Bible all the time, but it's kind of hard to, to relate it straight to our lives right now. Well, the struggle is, of course, on, on a various a variety of different areas. The tension between light and darkness may have been somewhat fuzzy. I spoke about that some weeks back. We talked about Jesus being the light. We used to think of light as, as the room, as I think that was the illustration I used. It was in the room, and there's a 100-watt uh, bulb right in the middle of it. And, and as long as we're right under it, it's, the light is sharp and clear, and we can see everything. Just But as we move out and further away from it, there's still light. It's just less. It's weak light. It's kind of like a twilight zone. We may be able to see a little bit, but not much. But nowadays... The transition areas are not as soft, so to speak. The distinction between light and darkness is clearly separate. I mean, it separates here. The soft bulb have been replaced by laser-sharp, beaming light. You've seen that. Then a little boy can stand with a little laser light and point to an airplane way, way far in the sky and blind the pilot. You've heard of that, yes? Now, if he had just turned his eyes, if he could, he wouldn't have been blinded, right? Because the light is so focused and so strong. It's the ultimate light in the, in the beam and no light outside the beam. The transition, so to speak, that, that zone where things just become weaker until it becomes completely dark is gone. We either have light or darkness. That's the way Jesus speaks about the relationship between light and darkness. When he talks about how these are guided by two different laws... Carried, if you will, by two different values, speaking two different languages. Concerning the law, the darkness is controlled by the law of selfishness. The light is controlled by the law of mercy. Concerning values, Darkness judges according to the externals. The light penetrates the externals and judges according to the real essence of the inner thing. According to language, 
darkness, takes God's name in vain and, and fills his own language with curses, whereas the language of light exalts God and speaks words of blessing. Changing the everyday humdrum. See, there's a, a contrast between these. The message of peace creates some kind of tension, and that's kind of how we understand what's going on here. When the light is intensified, it reveals darkness as darkness, and it forces the twilight to make a decision on whether to go with the light or the darkness. We're back to the everyday, are we not? It's our daily lives. But it's every day, or weekday, if you will, after Christmas. Don't forget that. That's the power right here. It means that God is giving you, or offering you, or handing to you the possibility of a complete change of the everyday humdrum where other kind of agendas and other messages are truly guiding and light has been put to the corner. He will give you power. He will give you the power so that the law that, that governs your life is the law of mercy. He will give you power so that the values that dictate your choices will look through the external veneer and straight to the inner essence of what's truly going on. He will give you language so that what flows from your lips are words of blessing and words of praise of God. He's there to change the everyday humdrum. We're back to the normal weekday stuff. Christmas has gone. To live in the light creates a line even in the darkness. Creates tension in our everyday life. And the invitation from this text is to let the desireship you have be guided by light and not controlled by the other. Can Christmas become not just a message that is heartwarming and wonderful because it gives us fuzzy feelings and can it become the foundation for what carries us through all of 2017 I'm going to wrap it up by talking just for a short minute remind you again of Stephen It's still astounding to me that the day after Christmas is St. Stephen's Day. It haunted me that knowledge for years. But look at him right here with this. After he had just given them a call to repentance, he rehearses the whole story of Israel in Acts chapter 7. And then they get upset with him for saying, and he said, you're just a bunch of stiff-necked unrepentant people and you should turn to God you're rejecting the Holy Spirit and then they don't and they stone him and what happens he had just given them this call to repentance and then 
the real inner essence comes out of this man of God. As they stone him, he cries out in words that almost sound like the words of Jesus on the cross when he says, Oh, Lord, do not hold these things against them. Words of mercy and love and blessing flowed from his lips. This is the tension, friends, and it's very real. Light brings clarity. And we'll see from one side, the side of darkness, comes hate and violence. From the other side comes forgiving love. From the side of darkness come, comes curses and violence. From the side of light comes blessings and love. You can just go on. From the light, from the side of darkness come, for, for, uh, come egotism. And from the side of light comes mercy. It is the everyday. And the battle, friends, is real. The tension between light and darkness, between love and indifference. The question is, are we willing to let God change the everyday humdrum? Or are we just well suited to make the Christmas message just that? cute little power verses for the month of December that shouldn't impact January and February and so on. This is a real call, friends. I can't think of a better thing on a morning like this when we're given all the call. Now, some of you here that may not know the Lord and may need to meet him for the first time, I want to invite you to come forward. We want to pray with you. Others have specific things you need prayer for, and we would be more than willing and eager to help you here. But for the rest of us, what could be stronger than we spend a few minutes dedicating our lives to God in a new way? Resolutions that relate to the light None of you here who lives a normal life will not know that, or will, everyone here will know that this is the truth, right? There are so many other messages that does not come from the light that it's pressing on to our everyday. And God says, I want to change that humdrum where you're just running with the flow and make you people of light. Can we do that? Some may want to say, hey, hey I'm, honey, I'm going to grab your hand, a friend, and I'm going to come down and I'm going to spend time right here at the altar. Let's stand, friends. And whether you come forward or you just grab someone's hand, spend a few minutes praying, either for yourself or in a friend's ear. Say, Lord, May 2017, be that year where light shines through the darkness.